Hello and welcome back to day nine of the Massive Attack podcast. 12 days of a Christmas Carol mini episodes, specials, special edition thingies. I'm Joe. With me, as usual, is Mitch. G'day. And we had a bit of a, a blast from the past. My past. Definitely. Mm. Today, when we watched the 1979 movie, An American Christmas Carol. Starring the Fonz. Yeah. And I, for me, he's just lost all of his Fonz credibility uh, after this movie. Poo on you. It this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is why I love A Christmas Carol, is this movie. Because I'm assuming my first exposure to it. Because I must have seen this around 1980-ish. Probably. Early. And I, I caught it a few times, I think. It must have been a staple around Christmas time. And... I have fond memories of it. Did you have it on Betamax? Or was uh, it just on TV? Uh, VHS, I may have taped it off. Maybe that's why I've seen it so many times. I honestly can't remember, but it's something I do remember fondly. I, I had never even heard of this before. That's because in Wales they probably didn't play it. <laughs> probably, I don't know. But, alright, since this is your baby, you can run through the premise. Alright, so, it is set in Boston in 1933, so during the Depression. It's... Henry Winkler is playing a Slater, I think. Benedict Slade. Benedict Slade, is it? Yes, who is, um, you know, a Scrooge-like character. He's a moneylender and things like that. Same deal. He's got his Bob Cratchit equivalent working for him and all those sort of things. Now, the difference with this is it's a telly movie. It doesn't have a massive budget and it's a tad slow and they sort of dwell on other things more than the tropes that we're used to of the Christmas Carol. Henry Winkler doesn't do bad. They age him up for it because they do the whole Christmas past bit and they have him at his real age and his 1970s hair, which looks really good in 1930s settings. But it's got the usual tropes. They do them, but they do them a bit you know, lamer than normal. But the yep. we checked the time on it. It was an hour in. They were still in WYSIWYG's sort of equivalent sort of storyline. So it, it was definitely slow-paced. I'll give it that. So yeah, I understand why you wouldn't like it. I still had nostalgia buzz for it, so it was fine. They definitely spent a lot more time on that backstory past sort of side yep. because he was a, a chair manufacturer wanting to change from handmade chairs to mass production and they, they really dwelled on that. A lot. Yeah. Like they spent at least a half hour with that storyline. Like I did like the fact that when the initial Marley type character turned up, he didn't use the exact lines from the, the normal text, but he he still kind of made reference to the fact that maybe it was something he ate that caused him to see the apparition rather than believing it was a ghost come to warn him. Yep. But it wasn't an uncooked potato. I think he said it was a piece of cheese that had gone moldy. Yeah. But the same sort of concept. So it was all just that slightly little bit different to the original. And what they did do, I suppose, major difference is obviously set in America, but the ghosts were not represented as per the normal version. No, they were just people from his past. Well, uh, people from the current. Like you, because yeah. the first, the setup is him repossessing a bunch of things. Because a lot of the other Christmas Carol stories, it's never really clear what he does for a job. He has a warehouse, he sort of, people owe him money, but it's never really clear where this is, what he does. And there's actually, that's a major plot point in the movie is he's figured out that you lend people money and they buy stuff and then you repossess it when they can't pay and then you can sell it on again. So you can actually make twice as much money on Yeah, he actually makes reference to the fact that you can get 200% of your money back Mm. by, you know, charging people exorbitant And a lot of that was the start. So it was Christmas Eve and he's going around repossessing a bunch of stuff off a bunch of people and from an orphanage. And they were the people who were represented as the ghosts. Yeah. And I did like the fact that he was repossessing some stuff from a guy that was running a bookshop and he was like ripping the leather off the covers of the books and there was one book and the, the bookshop owner was like, oh, don't, don't do that one. Mm. Yeah, that's a special place in my heart, that book. And it was actually Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. 
And if you read the history of the Christmas Carol, there's, I think there's four copies and it's particular type of leather that Charles actually made himself. Moroccan leather, I think they called it, and they make reference to that being Moroccan leather. Oh, do they? I missed that. So it's, I think there's a nod to the fact that there's these four copies that exist that are, you know, the Charles' original copies. All right. So there's a nice little thing there. So we get to... The, we dealt with a lot with the Christmas past. Christmas present was the guy who ran the orphanage and they're sort of just going around seeing and there, there is a Tiny Tim equivalent the Cratchit and the Tiny Tim he's lame <laughs> the whole movie was lame oh screw you <laughs> he's Mr. T is what they call him in this not Tiny Tim but Mr. T and I certainly did pity the fool yeah and what he can be fixed they actually address that he can be fixed by a certain place like there is someone who can work on whatever his ailment is and never actually say what it is and the, a nice little trope they had was he. one of the things he repossessed was a radio off one of the people and when the ghost of Christmas passed before they arrived the radio was playing the news and he goes hang on what that didn't make sense and it kept going through different channels and it was stuff from the past it was news from the past yeah it was, it was a, they talked about the, the president and it was President Hoover rather than President Roosevelt or yeah. something like that and then when it came to ghost of Christmas future or yet to come was about to turn up it was playing disco music and things like that so it was a bit strange and then this is I love this for the conceit was the ghost of Christmas future was um, one of the guys he repossessed from earlier, but all in very modern 1970s disco sort of suit. <laughs> yeah. It would have been the height of fashion when this movie was made. Yeah, probably. it wasn't over the top disco crazy sequence or anything. No, but it, was it was just was, a, a black Medallions suit. Yeah. and shirt undone to, you know, halfway down the chest and everything. But it was like, oh, that's kind of quirky for its time, I guess. So as far as ticking boxes of the original, mm. we, we had the ghosts, but they weren't really representative of the real text. Yes. We didn't have the Marley door knocker. No, we didn't. We not. did have Tiny Tim dying, though. We did. Yes. And we got a funeral, like well, the yeah. Mickey's Christmas game. Not quite as as bad as the laid the crutch sense. on top of the gravestone. We did have the ghost of Christmas yet to come with showing him his own gravestone. And, and yet he still doesn't know it's him. No. Oh. It, it's obvious it's him, but he's like, you know, who's who's the poor soul that lives in this gravestone? It's obvious it's going to be Benedict Slade on the name. Exactly. But no, he didn't pick that until he went and did it. And he kind of did the line, is this what is going to happen or is this only what might happen? Yep. Not in the exact wording, but yeah, I do like some of the tropes. Yeah. But as far as the delivery, you could tell it was a telly movie because obviously every half hour or so there was that fade to black where the commercial would have been. I'm not sure if I like the makeup because they've obviously aged Henry Winkler so he could play the old role and then he was just as himself with a pretty fantastic moustache in the 1920s. But yeah, uh, the fact that none of the other ghosts were ghosts. They were just, he was just seeing people from his past. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as I said to you while we were watching it, you you said that this is one of the movies that got you into your Christmas Carol. Yes. I don't know how you would stumble across a movie like this other than the fact that it was just on telly one day when you were a kid. We had three channels back then, that was it. Yeah. I took whatever I got. How often have you seen this since you were a kid? I saw it often as a kid. <laughs> as a kid, yeah. And then I, I, I think I tracked it. I'd look for it early days of me downloading in, on the internet and stuff. Okay. So probably twice in the last 20 years, but yeah. All right. I'll give you a pass on that. No. I would Thank say you. <laughs> I would say I enjoyed it a little bit more than I enjoyed Scrooged. Okay. Because I think Henry Winkler does have a presence about it. He's got him, charisma. Unlike Bill Murray. Oh. 
harsh, but yeah. Again, not exactly how I would imagine Scrooge. He was just a miserly old man. He wasn't really that Scroogey. Yeah. I still, I, mean, I was happy to see it again. Like, I understand now that we've devoured so much traditional Christmas Carol, it's, it does not hit a lot of the marks that I'm so used to and like to see now. But yeah, I still am happy to go back and visit. I don't think I'll go back next year, but I'll go back every couple, I think. Maybe. Yeah, Jury's know. still out for me. Alrighty. Not cool. But there was one stage where he was doing stuff and I was expecting him to do a bit of a Fonz move and like elbow it to make it work, but he didn't quite. No, no, no. And he, he wasn't wearing a leather jacket. And there's a lot more whittling in this. Oh, awful lot of whittling. What's happened to whittling? No one does whittling. That's one of my fondest memories of it. That's what I think of it. When I think about this movie is whittling that burnt stick at the end. That's, that's what I remember. <laughs> and that's not a euphemism. Could be. <laughs> All right. On that note, that is An American Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. We'll be back tomorrow with something probably even more obscure, and we're going to watch an episode of The Bionic Man called A Bionic Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tying back slightly to Scrooge, which with Lee Major with his cameo there. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I don't know if we've scraped the bottom of the barrel yet, but maybe we will tomorrow. Mm, we've got a few days yet. But we're going to end on a big note, aren't we? We'll see. All right. Until then, Mitch, thank you very much. Not a problem. And we'll see you tomorrow. See ya.